Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Wind in the Willow by Kenneth Graham. Chapter 9. Wayfarers All. The water rat was restless, and he did not exactly know why. To all appearance, the summer's pomp was still at fullest height, although in the tilled acres green had given way to gold through rowlands, the red link, the woods were dashed here and there with tawny fierceness. Yet light and warmth and colour were still present in the undiminished measure. <clears throat> Clean of any chilly phenomenons of the passing year. But the constant chorus of the orchards and hedges had shrunk to a casual evening song from a few yet unwearied performers. Robin was beginning to assert himself once more. There was a feeling in the air of change and departure. Cuckoo, of course, had long been silent, but many other feathered friends. For months, a part of the familiar landscape, and its small society was missing too. It seemed that the bank, ranks thinned steadily day by day, racked ever observant of all winged movement. Swallow was taking daily a sovereign, soothing Tennyson. <clears throat> Even as he lay in bed at night, he thought he could make out passing in a darkness overhead the beat and quiver, the patient pinions obedient to the remunerative call. Nature's grand hotel was has its season, like the others, as the guests one by one packed, paid apart, and seats at the table to hotel tea shrink pitifully. At each succeeding meal, as suites of rooms are closed, carpets taken up and waiters sent away. These boarders, who are coming, are staying on in pension until the next year, full reopening, cannot help being somewhat affected by all those fittings and farewells. Flittings and farewells. 
his eager discussion of plans, routes, and fresh quarters as daily shrinkage, the stream of comradeship. One gets unsettled, depressed, and inclined to be curious. Why is this craving for for change? Why not stay on quietly here like us and be jolly? You don't know this hotel out of season, and what fun we have among ourselves. We fellows of Maine and see the whole interesting year out. All very true, no doubt. The others always reply. We quite envy you. And so, other year perhaps. But not just now. We have engagements. There's the bus at the door. Our time is up. So they part with a smile and a nod. We miss them and feel resentful. Rat, the self-sufficing sort of animal. Rooted to the land. And however went, he stayed still. He, would not, he could not help noticing it, noticing what was in the air, feeling some of its influence in his bones. It was difficult to settle down to anything seriously, with all this flitting going on. Leaving the waterside where rushes stood thick and tall, and a stream that was becoming sluggish and low, he wondered countrywide-wise, across the field or two of passage, Already looking dusty and parched and thrust in the great sea of wheat. <clears throat> Yellow wavy murmurous, full of quite motion and small whisperings. Here he often loved to wander through the forest of stiff strong stalks that carried their own golden sky away over his head. A sky that was always dancing, shimmering. Softly talking or swaying strongly to the passing wind of recovering itself in a toss and a merry laugh. Here too he had very he had many small friends, so I didn't complete itself, leading full and busy lines, but always the spare moment of gossip and exchange of news for the visitor. To ever today, however, there were there was they were civil enough, the field mice, the harvest mice, seemed preoccupied. Many were digging to cuddling, tunneling busily. Others gathered together in small groups, examining plans and drawings of small flats, stated to be desirable and compact, situated conveniently near the stores, some for hauling out dusky trunks and dust dress baskets, others were already elbow deep packing their belongings, where if it were piles of bundles of wheat, Oats, <clears throat> barley, beech mass, nuts lay about ready for transport. Here's old Ratty, they cried as soon as they saw him. Come and bear a hand, Rat, and don't stand about idle. What sort of, what, what, is, what sort of game are you up to? said Walt Rat severely. You know it ain't time to be feeding a winter quarters yet. By a long way. Oh yes, we know that, explained a film mice, rather shamefacedly. It's always as well to be good time, isn't it? We must all you really must get all the furniture, baggage and stores moved out of this before the those horrid machines begin clicking round the fields. And then, you know, the best flats get picked up so quickly nowadays. If you're late, you have to put up with anything. And they they want they want such a lot. For doing up too, for they're fit to move into. Of course, we're early. 
We know that, but we're only just making a start. Oh, Bobo starts, said the rat. It's a splendid day. Come for a row. I will stroll along the hedges or picnic in the woods or something. Well, I think not today, thank you, replied the field mouse hurriedly. Perhaps another day when we have more time, rat with a snort of contempt, swung around to go to go trip over hatbots and fell with undefined remarks. If but people could be more careful, said a field mouse, rather stiffly. And look where they're going. People will hurt themselves and forget themselves. Mind the hold, old brat. You better sit down somewhere. In an hour or two, we may be more free to attend to you. You won't be free, as you call it, much this side of Christmas. I can see that, retorted the rat grumpily, as he picked his way out of the field. He returned somewhat despondently to his river again, his faithful, steady going. Old river, which he never, which never packed up, flitted, or went into quarter, winter quarters. In the osseas, which fringed the bank, he espied a shallow, a swallow sitting, presently joined by another, then by a third, the birds frigidly, the restless, the on about their bow, bow, burrow, talked together earnestly and low. What, already? said the rat. Strolling up to them, what's the hurry? I'll call it simply ridiculous. Oh, we're not off yet. If you that's what you mean, replied the first fellow. We're only making plans, arranging things, taking it over, talking over, you know. Well, what sort of route we're going, we're taking this year, and where we stop and go to several. That's half the fun. Fun? said the rat. Now that's just what I don't understand. You've got to leave this present place, your friends will never miss you, you snug homes, and you just settled into why, when the hour strikes, I no doubt will go bravely and face all the trouble and discomfort. A change in newness and can help can make any believe you're not very unhappy, but to want to talk about it or even think about it till you already need really need No, you don't understand naturally, said the second swallow. First, we try to feel it stirring within us. A sweet undress. Back comes the reflection one by one. I came in pigeons. And for our dreams at night, they fly for us for their wheeling, our wheelings and circling by day. We hunger to inquire of each other, to compare notes and assure ourselves. It's all really true. And one by one, the sense of sounds and names of love forgotten places come gradually back and beckon to us. Could you just stop for just this year? suggested the woman wistfully. We all do our best to make you feel at home. You've no idea what good times we have here while you're far away. I tried stopping one one year, said the first fellow. I had grown to the fond of the place. When the time came, I hung back and let the others go on without me. For a few weeks, it was well, all well enough. But I was... With a weary length of the nights, the shivering sunless days, the air so clammy and chill. I'm not an insect in the ache of it. No, it is no good. My courage broke down, and my one cold stormy night, I took wing, flying well inland to account the strong easterly gales. It's snowing hard to beat for the passes, the great mountains. I had a stiff fight to win through, but never shall I forget the blissful feeling 
the hot sun again on my back. They fled down to the lakes that lay so blue and placid below me, and the taste of my first fat insect. Past was like a fair dream. Future was all happy holidays as I moved southwards, week by week, lazily, lazily, lingling, being as long as I dared, but always heeding the call. No, and my warning never again did I think of disobedience. Oh, yes, and the colder south, the south, the south, twenty others too dreamily. It sings its, it sings its hues, its radiant air. Do do you remember, forgetting the rat? He slid into passionate remembrance. While he listened, fascinated, his heart burned within him. In himself, too, he knew it was vibrating at last that called hypnotodulment, unexpected, mere chatter, those seven bird, bird, seven bound birds, their pale and second hand repulse their power to awaken this world, new sensation thrilling through and through with it. What would one moment of real work in him, one passionate touch of real southern sun, one waft of fertile golden. The closed eyes he dared dream a moment before abandonment. When he looked again, the river seemed steely and chill, the green fields grey and lightless. Then his loyal heart seemed to cry out on his weaker side for its treachery. Why do you always come back then at all? he demanded of the swallow's jealousy. What do you find attract you in this poor, drab little country? And do well, what? And do you think, said the first fellow, that the other called not for us too in due season? The call of lush men of grass, wet orchards, warm, insect haunted ponds, a browsing kettle, of hay making, all farm buildings clustered round the house, perfect eaves. Do you suppose, said the second one, that you, that you are living, the only living thing that craves of a longing, hunger, longing to hear the cuckoo's note again. In due time, said the third, we shall be homesick once more, or quite wilder ladies, playing on the surface of an English dream. But today, all it seems pale and thin, and very far away, just now our blood dances to another music. They all fell and twittering among themselves. Once more in this time, the toxicity babble was of violent seas, tawny sands and lizard-haunted walls. Restlessly, the wreck wandered off. Once more, climbed the slope, and rose gently from the north bank to the river, and lay looking out towards the great ring of downs that barred his vision further southwards. His simple horizon hitherto, his mountains of the moon, his limit, behind which lay nothing he cared to see or to know. Today, to him, gazing south with a new-born knees stirring his heart, clear sky over their long, low outline, seemed to pulsate with promise. They, the unseen, was everything. The unknown, the only real fact of life. On this side of the hills was now a real blank. On the other lay the colour crowned and coloured pan- panorama that his inner eyes was clear, seen so clearly. What seas lay beyond green, leaping and crested? But some bathed coasts long with the white villas littered against the olive tr- woods, while quiet harbours thronged 
the gallant shipping bound for purple islands, the water of spice, islands set low in languorous waters. He rose and ascended the river woods, woods once more, and changed his mind and sought the lane side of the dusty lane. There, lying half buried in the thick core under hedge tangle unbolded it. He could muse on the meadows road, and all the wondrous world that led to on, on all the way fairies too, and might have trodden it. The fortune and adventures had gone to seek or found them seeking. Out there, beyond, beyond, footsteps fell on his ear. A figure of one that walked somewhat wearily came to his view, and he saw that it was a rat, a very dusty one. A wayfarer, as he reached him, saluted with a gesture of courtesy, and had something foreign about it. Hesitating a moment, and with a pleasant smile, turned from the track, sat down by his side in a cool herbage. He seemed tired. A rat let him rest and question, understanding something of what was in his faults, knowing, too, the value of all animals attached at times to mere silent commandership, and a weary muscle slackened, a mind marks time. A wayfarer was lean and keen-featured, and somewhat bowed at the shoulders. The shoulders, his paws were thin and long, his eyes more wrinkled, corners he wore, small gold earrings in his neatly set, well-shaped ears. His knitted jersey was a faded blue, his breeches patched and stained with base, blue foundation, his small belongings that he carried tied up in a blue hat, cotton handkerchief. When he had rested a little while, the stranger snide. Snuffed the air and looked about him. That was clover, the warm whiff on the breeze. He muttered, Those are cows here, cropping the grass behind us and blowing softly between mouthfuls. It's the sound of decent reapers. Yonder rises a blue line of cottage smoke amongst a woodful lane. If river runs close, somewhere close by, I hear the call of Mervyn. See you build, you are fresh water, Mariner. Everything seems asleep, and yet going on all the time is a goodly life. You lead, friend, no doubt the best in the world, if only you are strong enough to lead it. Yes, it is a life, the only life to live, responded the water rat, dreaming about his usual whole-hearted conviction. I do not say that, say exactly that, replied the rat, stranger cautiously, but no doubt it's the best I tried it. I know, because I just tried it, six months of it, and now it's the best. Here I am, footsore and hungry, tramping away, for it, tramping southward, following the old call back to the old life. Life is, is mine, and which will not let me go. Is this then yet another, then? Muserat, where have you come from? he asked. He'd only dared to ask where he was only bound for. He seemed to know the answer only too well. Nice little farm, replied the wayfarer briefly. I belong in that direction, below the northwards. Never mind about it. I have everything I ever could want. Everything I had, I had any right to expect of life. And more, here I am. Glad to be here. All the same. Though glad to be here. So many miles further on the road. So many hours. Nearer to my heart's desire. Charlie's eyes held fast to the horizon. He seemed to be listening for some sound. He's waiting for the inland acreage 
vocal as it was, the cheerful music partridge and farmyard. You're not one of us, said the water rat. No, yet a farmer. Not even, not, not even, I should judge, of this country. Right, replied the stranger. I must see, fair and rat, I am. I pulled originally hail from. It's Constantinople. Now he's sort of a foreigner, too. There, too, in a manner speaking. You have heard of Constantinople, friend? Fair city, an ancient, glorious one. And you may have heard, too, Sigrid King of Norway. And now he sailed Tibur with sixty ships from hell. These men rode up the streets all canopied in their honour, their purple and gold. And how no emperor and empress came down, banqueted with him on board his ship. When Sigrid turned home, many of Northmen returned behind and entered the empire's and entered the emperor's bodyguard. My sister, Norwegian born, stayed behind too the ships that Sigrid gave the empire. Emperor Seafarers, we have been a no wonder for me. The city of my birth is no more my home. Any pleasant port between here and the river London River. I know them all. You may know me. They know me. Set me down on any of their quarries. Or for sure I am home again. I suppose you will go on great event voyages. The little rat with growing interest. Months and months out of the side of land and provisions running short of allowance for the water. Your mind computer gate Munich Munichating with the mighty river ocean and all that sort of thing. No, by no means, said Lord Rat frankly. Such a life you described would not suit me at all. I'm a coasting trade and rarely out of sight of land. Jolly it's a jolly time, I'm sure. Appeal to me as much as as any seafaring. Those southern seaports, the smell of them. Pervading lights at night. A glimmer. Well, perhaps you have chosen a better way, said the rat rather doubtfully. Tell me some of your coasting, then, if you would ever have mine to. And what sort of harvest animal spirit might hope to bring home with me for warm these later days? The gallant memories by the fireside for my life. I wish that you feels to me today somewhat narrow and circumcised. My last voyage, began the rat to see that. That landed me eventually in this country, bound with high hopes by inward farm. Sir, for you example of any of them, indeed as a pepper tone of my higher coloured life. Family troubles as usual began it. A domestic storm came, was hoisted, and I shipped myself on board a small trading vessel bound for Constantinople, like classic seas, whose every wave throbbed with a deathless memory. The Grecian Islands, a lemon event. There were golden days and balmy nights in and out of the harbour all the time. Our friends everywhere, sleeping in a small, some cool temple, a ruined cistine. During the heat of the day, feasting and song after sundown, going to the great stars that set in violet sky. Hence, we turned and coasted up the road direct. It's sure swimming in an atmosphere of amber, rose, and amphorine. We lay in wild landlocked harbours. We roamed through ancient and noble cities, till at last one morning, as the sun rose royally behind us, we rode into Venice, bone a path of gold. Oh, Venice is a fine city, wherein a rat can wander on his ease and take his pleasure. 
of what when weary of wandering, he'd sit at the edge of the Grand Canyon Canal at night, feasting with his friends, where the air is full of music and sky full of stars, and light flash and skimmer on polished steel prows, with swaying gondolas, packed and mock, so that you can walk across the canal, and then with some, from side to side, the food, do you like selfish? Well, we won't linger over that now. He's silent for a time, the water act, silent too, and enthralled. Floated on dream canals of the herd, a phantom song, pitting high behind vaporous grey wave lap walls. Sky southwards we sailed again. Alas, continued the sea map, coasting down as hoofs, Italian and shore, till finally we made Palomero. I quitted for a long, happy spell on shore. I never stick too long on one ship. One gets no reminder prejudice. Besides, seriously, my happy hunting rounds. I know everybody there. Their ways just suit me. I spent just spent many jolly weeks in a island, staying with my friends up country. When I grow restless, again I look to commanders the ship that's trading in here. And Koska, I'm very glad I was to feel the fresh breeze and the sea spray face once more. And it isn't very hot, isn't it? But isn't it very hot and stuffy down in the hold? I think you call it, asked the smaller rat. The sea wearer looked at him with suspicion and a wink. I'm an old hand, he might, with some sympathy. Simplicity. The captain's cabin's good enough for me. It's an old life of all my old cats, murmured the rat, sunk in deep thought. For the crew it is, replied the seraphira gravely, and among, but again, with a ghost of a wink. Of course, sir, he went on, I made use of a ship and was taking wine to the mainland. We made Esaroto in the evening, Jay, holded up our wine baskets, hove them overboard, tried one to the other by a long time. By a long line. Over tied one another by a long line. But the crew took to the beds, boats, and rowed south shorewards, seeing as they went and drawing of them the long bobbing procession of caskets, like a mound of porpoises. As soon as they had horses waiting, they dragged the caskets up the steep street, a little town with a fine rush and clatter and scramble. The last cussing was in, we went and refreshed and rested, and sat late, late in the night, drinking my friends the next morning. I took to the great Bollywoods for the spell and the rest, but now I have done with violence for the time. Ports and shipping were plentiful. I laid a, lay, laid a lady life, lady life among the peasants, lying and watching them work, was stretched high on the hillside, bloom in a train of lay, flow far below me. And so at length, by easy stages, partly on foot, partly by sea, by sails, a meeting of old shipmates, visiting a great ocean-bound vessels, and feasting once more. Talk of selfish, why, sometimes I dream of selfish, on my sails, and wake up growling at rain. That reminds me, said the polite warrior, you happened to mention that you're hungry. I ought to have spoken earlier. Of course, will you stop and make your, take your midday meal with me? I always close by. It's some time past noon. You are very welcome to whatever there is. 
Now I call that kind and brotherly of you, said the rat. She said I receive it. I am indeed hungry when I sat down, and ever since I've been overtly with my happen, meant to see shellfish. My pangs have been extreme. But couldn't you fetch it along out here? I'm none too fond of going under ratches. This is a blaze to. Then while we eat, I should tell you all concerning my voyages and pleasant life. I leave. At least they're very pleasant to me. By your attention, I judge and command itself to you. Whereas if we go indoors, it's a hundred to one that I shall presently fall asleep. That is indeed an excellent suggestion, said the bull rat, and carried off to home. There he got out the luncheon basket and packed a simple meal, in which he, remembering stranger's origin and preferences, he took care to include a yard of long French bread, a sausage, out of which, of which garlic, the garlic stains and cheese, lay down and cried, a long-necked straw-covered flask, within lay bottled sunshine shed, and gathered gathered on far southern slopes. Thus lady returned with all full speed, blushed for pleasant pleasure. The old seaman's com, com, commendations of his taste and judgment, together they unpacked the basket, laid out the contents of the grass by the roadside. So he read it as soon the younger was somewhat assaged, continuing the history of his latest voyage, cutting his simple hero from port to port of Spain, landing him at those a addressing him to the pleasant barbers of Cornwall, Devon, so up the channel to that final quarry. Their landing, are the winds long contrary, so storm-driven and water-beaten, weather-beaten, he had caught the, 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 the first magic hints, headwinds of, of other spring, five of these, sped on the long tramp inland, hungry, inland hungry, for the experiment life in some quiet farmstead, very far from the weary beatings of any sea. Bellman quivering with excitement, Wardrat followed the venture league by league of the stormy bays, of the stormy bays, and crowded roadsteads, the across the barns and racy, tied up winding rivers, they hid their busy little towns, round a sudden turn left it with a great rivet, full sigh, Planted his full dull inland farm of which he deserved that he desired to hear nothing. By the time the meal was over, the seafarer refreshed and strengthened his voice more vibrant, his eye lit with a brightness that seemed caught with some faraway sea beacon, filled his glass with a red and flowing vintage of the south, leaned towards the water rat, compelled his glaze and failed him, body and soul while he talked. Those eyes were of a changing foam street, green grey of leaping northern seas. In the glass shone with a hot ruby and seemed very hot the south, beat of him who had courage to respond to his, pul- his pulsation. Twin lights of swaying, the shifting grey and steadfast red mastered the water rat and held him bound, fascinated with powerless. A quiet world outside their range receded far away and ceased to be. The talk, the wonderful talk, flowed on as it was, or was it speech entirely, or did it pass at times into song? Chanting of the sea, sailors 
weighing and dripping anchor, synonymous hum the shrouds, the tearing north and easter, battle the fishman hauling his nets a sundown. Against the apricot sky calls the guitar mendly, a gondola to chicane, did it change in the cry of the wind, plaintive at first, angry thrill, refreshing. Rising up to the tearing whistle, sinking to a musical trickle of the air from leached the bellowing sail. All these sounds of spellbound listener seemed to hear with them the hungry complaint of the gulls and the seamews, the soft thunder of the breaking wave which cried, resting single. Back in the speech again it passed, with beating heart, these are following the ventures of a dozen seaports, the fights, escapes, the rallies, the chumberships. Gallant undertakings, all ye such islands for treasure are fished in still lagoons are dozed, day long water warm water sand, warm white sand, a deep sea fishing ye might heard tale, mighty silver graveries of mild long necks, a sudden perils fires and my breakers, moonless night, the tall bows of the great liner, making shape overhead for the fog. Of the merry homecoming, the headland. Randed the however lights opened out. A groat seemed dimly on the quay, the cheery hall. Hounds splashed the holster, holster, the trudge up the steep little sweep. Treat towards the comforting glow, red curtained windows. Last his waking dream seemed to him that the venture, risen his feet, was still speaking, still holding him fast with his grace. See grey eyes. And now, he said, softly, softly saying, I take to the road again, holding on to southwards, westwards, for many a long and dusty day, till at last they reach the little grey sea town. I know so well, clings along one steep side of the harbour. Oh, deep tollways, you know, down flights, the stone steps overhung by great pink troughs of vellian, and ending in a patch of sparkling blue water. A toil boats that lie tethered to wrapped rings and stratagems, old sea wall that gaily painted at those. I clambered in and out with my own childhood, the salmon leap of flood tide, scores of mackerel flash and play past quarry sides of foreshores. By the windows of great vessels glide night and day, and the morning the fourth to the open sea. And sooner or later the ships of all seafaring nations arrive and air, destined now the ship of my choice, let go its anchor, I shall take my time. I shall tally and buy, for at last the right one lies waiting for me, walked out into the midstream, loaded low, a bow's bright, pointing down the harbour. I shall slip on board, my boat or long holster, and then one morning I shall wake up to the song, chant by the sailors, the clink of the cap's den, the rattle of the oaken anchor chain, or coming in merrily, coming merrily in. We shall break out the jib and foresail. The white houses of the harbour side will glide slowly past, together steering away. During rain, a voyage will have begun, as it forges towards the headland. She will clothe herself with canvas. Then outside the sounding that great green seas, as she heals to the wind, pointing south. And you will come too, young brother, 
but the bays pass. You will never return the south, but it still waits for you. Take the venture, plead for call. Now I, irrecoverable moment passes. This month of banging on the door behind you, a some step forward, and you are out of the low life and into the new. And some day, some day long hence, jog home here, be will, and the cup has been drained and played, have been played. Sit down under your own quiet, your quiet river, bestow of goodly memories of the company. You can easier take me on the road, for you are young. I'm easy, so slow, softly. Go softly. I will linger and go look back. At last, I will surely see you coming eagerly, light-hearted, with all the self in your face. Voice turned away and ceases an insect's tiny trumpet. Windows swiftly into silence. A body rat paralyzed and staring. So at last, a distant speck on the white surface of the road. A canicky rose and proceeded to repack the luncheon basket. Carefully, mo- mo- without haste, mechanically, turned home and gathered together a very a small, few small necessaries and special refreshments. He's fond of put them in a satchel, acting with slow deliberation, moving about the room like a sleepwalker, listening ever with parted lips. He swung the satchel over his shoulder, carefully selected a stout stick for his wayfaring. There was no haste, no hesitation at all. He stepped across the threshold, just as Mole appeared at the door. Why, where are you off to, Ratty? asked the Mole in some great surprise, grasping him by the arm. Going south with the rest of them, moaned the Rat, the dreamy monotone, never looking at him. Steewards first, then you on shipboard, and go some on the shores, or calling me. He pressed resolutely forward, still without haste, but with dogged seraphy purpose. The mole, now fairly alarmed, placed himself in front of him. Looking in the eyes, saw the glaze and set and turned the street and shifted grey. Not his friend's eyes, but the eyes of some other animal. Grappling with him strongly, he dragged him inside, threw him down, and held him. Rat struggled desperately for a few moments. Then his strength seemed sudden to leave him. He lay still and exhausted, with closed eyes trembling. Presently, the mole seized him, raised and placed him. The chair where he sat collapsed and shrunken into himself, body shaken by violent shivering, passing the time to a hysterical fit of dry sobbing. Mal made the door fast, threw the, sat in the, sat, threw the satchel into the drawer and locked it and sat down quietly at the table. By his friend, waiting for a strange seizure to pass, Frederick Durant sank to troubled stoves, broke by starts and confused Murmurings of things strange and wild, a foreign, and light on the light of mole, and from that he passed into deep slumber. Anxious in mind, a mole left him for a time and busied himself in household matters. It was getting dark when he returned to the parlour, and Rat, where he left him, wide awake indeed, but listless, silent, and dejected. He took one hasty glance at his eyes, found them to be his great confrontation, clear and dark and brown again, and before he sat down, tried to cheer him up, and help him relate what had happened to him. Paul Ruddy did his best by degrees, explaining things, but how could it he put it into cold words? What had mostly been suggested, or how we called for another benefit, another's benefit, haunting sea voices, sung to him, now we produce a second hand of magic of the sea for his hundred remembrances. 
Moses, even to himself, as bear was broken and glamour gone, found it difficult to account for what had seen. So now has got inevitable. Only thing that had not been surprising then, he failed to convey to Mole any clear idea of what he'd been through that day. For Mole, this much was plain. The fit or attack had passed away, left him sane again. For shaken, as shaken and cast down by the reaction, he seemed to have lost all interest for the time in the things that went to make up his day life, as well as all pleasant forecasting, all to days and doings and changing of season, was surely beginning bringing. Tragedy then, with seeming indifference, the mole gathered his, turned his talk, harvest that was being gathered in, the tearing wagons and staining teams of glowing ricks and large moon rising other bare acres dotted with sheaves. He talked of great reddening apples around, of browning nuts, of jams, of preserves, of distilling and culturals. Till by easy stages, such as these, he reached mid-winter. It jolted holly joys and snug home life, and began, came simply lyrical. By degrees, of rack began to sit up and to join in. His dull eye brightened. He lost some of his listening air. Presently, a tactful mole slipped away with terms of a pencil, a few sheets of paper, which he placed on the table at his friend's elbow. It's quite a long time since you did any poetry, he remarked. You might have to try it this evening. You might have to try it this evening instead of, well, brooding over things as much so much. I idea that you feel a lot better when you've got something jotted down. It's only, it's only just rhyme, the rhymes. The rat pushed the paper away from him wearily, but the discreet mole took occasion to leave the room. And when he peeped in again, some time later, rat resolved and deaf to the world, uttering, scrubbing, and sucking the top of his pencil. It's true that he sucked a good deal more when he scribbled, but his joy is the mole to know that the cure at least, at least began. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.